whether membership must focus on a single church, as if fidelity is more to a congregation than to Christ. What's she going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What you mean, walk the earth? You know, like Kane in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? If it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Welcome to Walk the Earth. I'm Greg. This week, we're going to take a look, we're beginning the process of taking a look at church membership, and we'll hit it a few more times during the summer as well. Part of that is because I think as a couple, my wife and I have hit the point of being ready to talk about membership with one of the many churches that we've been visiting. First, though, you can find Walk the Earth on the Inappropriate Conversations website and feed. www.inappropriateconversations.org is where you can find the main page for that podcast where Walk the Earth shares space. Walk the Earth and Inappropriate Conversations are also both available on Stitcher. Stitcher.com is a very good way to listen to podcasts on the go, and you can find both Walk the Earth and Inappropriate Conversations there under the Inappropriate Conversations page. The other places that Inappropriate Conversations and Walk the Earth intersect are Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, I am at IC underscore Greg, and on Facebook, there is a page both for Inappropriate Conversations and also for Walk the Earth. Let me begin with a quote, and it's a quote that came from the church that we've been visiting the most regularly, just about a week or so ago. It goes like this. Innovation is not so much about doing something new as leaving something old. I don't know whether Pastor Ingman was sharing that as a statement that he had gleaned from some other reading or research that he had done, or whether it was his own idea, or whether it's a commonly held principle. But it struck me as new enough that I wrote it down. I put it out as a tweet, as a matter of fact, and I'm still dwelling on it to this day because I think one of the challenges that we had in the church that we left almost a year ago was challenges to the idea of innovation. There were people who were simply afraid or sternly indifferent to doing anything new. But the problem wasn't so much that as a congregation we were trying to make change for the sake of change or do something new for the sake of newness. It was that it became very important for us to walk away from something old, or really less about leaving things behind and more about well and truly diversifying, adding things that would break away from the stagnant approach. I made the observation that I didn't understand why that church was still printing bulletins, because if we'd fulfilled the dream of some of the members, the church service itself, the order of worship, would stay so consistent so unbelievably consistent that you really didn't need printed words on a page to tell you what was going to happen when and what was going to happen next, unless you were well and truly there for your very first time. Well, the church that we've been engaging with has not printed a bulletin even once in all of the Sundays that we've visited. I haven't counted. On the one hand, we've visited something like 14, 15 churches in the last year, on the other hand, we've probably gone to this one particular church a dozen, maybe 14 times out of the last 20 or so weeks. So it's a mix on our process of walking the earth. 
between going and seeing lots of different things, while on the other hand, spending perhaps more focused time than you would imagine on one particular congregation. This leads me, in a segue of sorts, into the question, not about seeking and perhaps finding a new church, but what do you do when you think you've found one? What next at that stage? Because for us, we actually attended what you might describe as a a potential new membership class a couple of weeks ago, and we might be attending one in, in the near future as well, just because I don't think that anyone, including the pastor, felt like we got through all the information or all the question and answer time that might have been desired from that. But one of the questions that came up during that was really the question of what is membership, and particularly what is membership to this one church where we've been spending our time. I'm going to go ahead and call them by name, because I feel like for the first time, even though I've done a lot of this walk-the-earth approach without naming names, I said from the start this wasn't going to be a name-and-shame approach, where we were going to visit a different congregation each week and review them like a restaurant critic might do a restaurant review. But this is a different situation, especially now that we're actually considering membership. Harmony Springs is the name of it. And one of the things I told the pastor was it struck me that from my perspective, and this might be particular to Harmony Springs, but maybe it's a new mindset that I've picked up just in this process of going around and looking around, is that membership is perhaps little more than the difference between formal and informal participation. There really can be no doubt that if we've attended worship service on a regular basis with one congregation over the course of four, five, six months, that more often than not in the last six months we've gone to Harmony Springs, that we have already established an informal participation. We're not serving communion. We're not participating in any of the choirs that this church has. We haven't joined a Sunday school or a small group through this church. We're still leading one through people who've left the church that we left. But, well, and that's not exactly true. We did a little bit of small group participation in a targeted way, but that was a short-term start and stop. We haven't carried forward with it. So our participation has been, I think, still by and large informal. But membership, to some degree, is a way of saying formally, I have, quote-unquote, joined this church. Now, we have a motivation for wanting to find and join another church. And a lot of that motivation has to do with the way the United Methodist Church functions in terms of us saying if we wanted to leave, if not that denomination, at least the church we left, we need to join another church because it's the fastest way to remove your membership from the roles of the church you're leaving behind. The process that, at least in the United Methodist congregations, work for removing a member from the roles is it's elaborate. It takes more than a year, more than two perhaps, and it involves a lot of conversation about you. Somebody needs to make a motion that you be removed from the roles, and then in a subsequent year after a period of evaluation, that motion needs to be raised again. It's it's so much easier to just do it in a bureaucratic way and simply say, transfer my membership, transfer my letter of membership from that congregation to a new one. And that's a very strong motivator because we would like to shut the book on the congregation that we left. And the best way to do that may be to open the book on a new congregational membership. The good news is I think that this Harmony Springs experience has shown me that 
that new membership may not be as formal as membership has been in every church I've ever joined in the past. Because this church has a notion that it's less about this idea of hanging out a shingle and inviting people to come and formally join and spending a lot of time counting the number of members, counting Sunday attendance, counting the amount of giving. There was a lot of conversation, even in the last maybe two years, in my participation in the United Methodist congregation about whether we're increasing membership, increasing Sunday attendance, increasing pledges, increasing giving. It was very much a numerical concern, and some of us called that out and said, yeah, I'm not really at all comfortable with how much emphasis is being placed on what you might call the statistics of church participation, that there must be better measures than that. And then if you read the Gospels, you'll find that Jesus surely had better measures than that on his heart and mind when he sent his disciples out in the Great Commission and said, go and make disciples. That's the thing that I'm dwelling on here is this concept of going and making disciples, being a different thing than saying, build a cathedral and invite disciples to come and join you there. Because to some ways, in my thinking about it, the walls of a cathedral are perhaps unintentionally or maybe perhaps actually intentionally establishing an inness and an outness. It's building a structure that says, if you come here at these designated times, you're in. Maybe you're not necessarily in the kingdom of heaven. Some churches believe they have the authority to confer that forecast on people. But at the very least, you're in this church. You're part of this group. Versus the outness of those who say, you know, no, I'm not going to wake up on Sunday morning and I'm not going to show up there. Especially if it's not just, here's the nice building, show up, but there are rules about how you show up. I remember doing an interview with somebody two, three years ago, and he told me the reason that he no longer went to church, and he stopped going to church very young, maybe even elementary school, is he didn't like dressing up, didn't like being in a suit. And going to that church required, maybe not suit and a tie, but at least dressing up in fancy clothes, and he didn't want to wear the fancy clothes. That was enough for him to trigger the decision that if his parents weren't going to force the issue, he just wasn't going to go. So there's an inness and outness quality of this notion of building a big church, building a cathedral. And Jesus, I think, tells us something different. Jesus tells us about a church without walls. So if I feel strongly about that, then what is my connection to wanting to join any church at all? If the church universal, if the church of Christ, literally, the church that Jesus described, is one that doesn't have walls, it's about sending people out two by two. It's about going on missionary journeys. It's about meeting in public spaces. Well, first off, right now, Harmony Springs as a church is meeting in a public space, meeting in an exercise center, for want of a better word, or a wellness center. But even when the group at Harmony Springs hits a certain target and begins to build on property that they have, I don't get the impression that what they're putting together is going to look like a cathedral. All the talk I'm hearing... The artistic renderings and examples look, again, somewhat more like a community center. It's not that there won't be a space of formal worship, but the space of formal worship might actually be a space that could serve more than one function. The church that we left was uh, very uptight, really numerous instances, numerous situations where Staff parish relations committees and trustees committees and administrative boards had to get together and talk about things like 
what children were doing in the church and whether people had a cup of coffee and they were walking on the carpet in the sanctuary with a cup of coffee or whether at the children's moment, um, talking about the, the history of the candy cane and the religious symbolism in a candy cane. Did the, the parent who was leading that moment of children's worship in the sanctuary during the worship service, did they hand out candy? Was there candy in the sanctuary? All this sort of obsession over the sacredness of the space and the formality and how the building is treated, well, it doesn't strike me as being particularly New Testament, where the idea of the New Testament would be leveraging that space, using it. Nothing could be more worshipful, perhaps, than feeding the hungry in, in and through the sanctuary, as opposed to having a notion of sanctuary or a notion of worship that suggests that for food to be in that space is so wrong that it would be better not to feed the hungry. Since I spoke about social issues in Walk the Earth a few episodes back, maybe Walk the Earth 10 or 11, somewhere in there, events have happened which have really caused me a great deal of distress. And the best example that I can use of it is to refer to world vision. Now, I had totally unwittingly never really connected the idea of, of a 30-hour famine or a 40-hour famine fundraising program as being part of World Vision. So when I asked my family if we'd ever given to World Vision before, this is an organization that raises, among other things they do, they raise money to feed the hungry people of the world, connecting somewhat privileged and better off or even well-to-do American families and European families with children who have needs in places like Africa. And I didn't realize, again, that this fundraiser that the youth group had done a few years ago was directly connected to World Vision. But as soon as I asked the question, I began to get answers. That yes, you've actually given to that group before by giving to my kids and other kids in the youth group who were participating in a long fast specifically for the purposes of raising money to deal with world hunger. Well, in the last month or so, World Vision made a decision that since in many of the states they operate, they are able, through those states, to have employees who are married, but married inside same-sex relationships, that there was no longer a good reason for their policies to restrict hiring based on sexual preference, because the bigger focus of their policies were on hiring and benefits toward people who are married. And I think as anybody who's watched the news, or especially pays attention to what I might describe as the religious news, is well aware that at that announcement of truly an internal company policy that doesn't have anything to do with feeding the hungry, doesn't have anything to do with the company's relationship with the people who donate the money that feeds those hungry kids. They made an announcement nevertheless, and immediately they began to lose not just hundreds of thousands, but millions of dollars. Thousands of children who were being provided for were suddenly going to be left hungry, and perhaps even desperately hungry, because Christians, uh, evangelical, perhaps evangelical conservative Christians in particular, had made a decision <clears throat> that rather than giving money to an organization that wasn't going to discriminate in hiring, they would choose instead to let children die. That sounds like a harsh way of describing it. Maybe I'm being ever so slightly uncharitable, but I don't know that there's really any other way to look at it. If you're giving money because you believe that your giving is keeping kids alive, and you stop giving the money for a reason, whatever that reason may be, that reason is a reason that is strong enough for you to be in favor of human sacrifice instead. That your 
willing to let people die rather than not have a point of view about whether somebody you don't know who happens to be an employee in the accounting department of a company that you probably couldn't find on the map because even though you give to and through them, you don't really know their address. You don't know any of the people involved. But to decide to stop giving that way, to stop being the church in this way over this issue or any other issue strikes me as more than just a bit of an abomination. So for a period of time there, for a few days, while this gap was you know, growing, I stepped up and gave. <clears throat> Instead of giving through a youth group or through my kids, I gave directly. And of course, the company has since backtracked and tried to regroup and in some ways basically said that it was less willing to be fair to its employees and was more than more than willing to fire people that it had just hired, in fact, in order to make sure that the millions of dollars from religious conservatives kept pouring in. So I'm sitting here saying, what does this have to do with the church? What does this have to do with the question of whether membership should focus on a single church or more broadly than that? Is that in some ways, the church has a lot to do with the ministry of world vision. And that you could participate in a ministry like that by giving to the church and having the church you give to share its mission funds with a company like World Vision. Or you could participate by giving to the youth group because the youth group in the church that you've joined is doing a fundraiser specifically targeted for World Vision, like 30 Hours of Famine. Or you could choose not to give at all because of questions of political interest and intrigue. But... I guess where I'm wrestling, and we're going to come to this question much more directly later, I hope, is a question of what does it mean to to be worshipful? Is feeding a starving child more worshipful than going to a big, ornate cathedral, wearing your best clothes, and trying your best to sing with your best singing voice, and being very intense about following the bulletin, and following along as scriptures and other elements of liturgy are read? Which one would Jesus say is much more worshipful? I won't answer the question now. I think the answer is somewhat obvious, and I don't intend to get to the question inside Walk the Earth until much later in the year, if I get there at all. But to me, it kind of gives me a hint as to where I'm going with this. Because if membership in a single church is that important, then theoretically all of your giving, all of your charitable giving, all your activities should be directed through that church. And if one thing has been revealed to me through the process of walking the earth, is that that's just not true anymore. If innovation is not so much about doing something new as leaving something old, then maybe one of the things I'm leaving behind is this old concept that my job as a Christian is to support a church, and the church is supposed to represent me in lots of other ways. That that's not necessarily untrue, But it also isn't the one and only sole truth that I may be able to participate in lots of forms of ministry, both within and outside any church I may join. And I think that seems kind of obvious. I think the answer to the question raised on the World Vision controversy is, wouldn't it be nice if lots of other Christians had stepped in during the day or so that the company was having this huge crisis and answered the question that we are willing to feed starving children because that is more important to us as an act of ministry than presuming that we can strong-arm every organization into leveraging hiring and benefits practices 
that we do or don't agree with. My guess is that those same people who fled from supporting World Vision would probably have a hard time shopping if they understood, at that level of detail, what the hiring and benefits practices were of everywhere else that they do business. Would they be able to find a grocery store? Would they be able to find a store to buy underwear and tennis shoes and blue jeans? The number of companies in America, at least, who have far more open hiring practices and even benefit practices would probably stagger some of the people who so self-righteously and short-sightedly targeted some sort of bizarre anger at World Vision. So, if for the sake of argument, I was wrestling with a decision about whether to continue supporting this company that has clearly lost its way and doesn't know who they are, in terms of waffling and wishy-washy on questions of who to employ and how to treat those employees, it's still okay in my mind to say, I may join this church, leave a different church, and at the same time play a more direct role in supporting other groups. In the previous Walk the Earth episode, number 12, I talked about the concept of giving, of tithing, and what does it mean to support more groups than just directly to the church. When I was a kid, that notion of giving was simply you got to the end of the year when tax time was rolling around and you found out from your church how much you gave and that was the answer. But I think even then, you were beginning to see more and more people diversify the way they gave. That if you went to visit a church of a different denomination while visiting a relative out of town, you might give to that church while you were there. Or you might go to a Christian concert and and join in the process of participating in passing that and giving money to support whatever cause they were raising funds for. There's lots of ways that for many, many decades, Christians have become quite comfortable giving outside the realm of just within the church itself. And that I used to take a good deal of comfort in knowing that if I was trying to support something, I could simply give to the church, and the church would make sure that that money got to the inner city shelter or wherever. But having had the ending experience at the church we left behind, and so many questions, false accusations in most cases, about the use of funds being fired around like like a shotgun blast, it just left a bad taste in my mouth, and I began to wonder if maybe giving through that church, when I could have just as easily given directly to the inner city shelter, well, which one would have been the better way to go? And I'm not 100% sure about the answer. But I want to steer this particular Walk the Earth question back to really, truly, churches in particular, leaving out charities, leaving out other sort of acts of going and making disciples, even the simple interaction of being kind of an open book, willing to answer questions, willing to ask questions if if appropriate, and really talk about church as the building, which I don't think is the right answer all the way back to the first couple of Walk the Earth episodes. But if we do speak of the church as a building or as an institution or as a group of people, as a congregation, is it still true that membership must focus on one church? Well, the answer to the question is yes, if my goal is to transfer my membership from a group that I don't want to be associated with to a group that I would like now to be associated with. It seems like that's a really good approach to use because it would solve the problem on closing the book on the reason I'm walking the earth and opening a fresh new chapter on my experience and perhaps even this show by saying, okay, now what? But it's not like we've done a big survivor-style audition here 
going to a whole bunch of different churches and picking the winner, that's a little naive and that's a little simple. Let me kind of walk through a quick review of what it is we've done, because one of the things I want to emphasize is that it's hard for me to believe that we won't visit some of the churches that we don't intend to join again. I think we will visit some of the churches, even those that we're not going to join. It's not an election cycle where there's one winner and everyone else is a loser. It's not that. We started off going to a couple of different United Methodist churches. One, probably the nearest in terms of being just down the road, and one were people that we knew had gone. I think the people from the church that we left who joined this other church, this Church of the Lakes, I think we, I could see ourselves worshiping with them again. There's no reason why that wouldn't happen. Then we went to a non-denominational church that, again, some members of our small group had gone to and eventually joined, but they're no longer there, and I don't think there's any reason why I would go there again. And also, we visited a church with my son, he was uh, friends with a girl, and she was at a church, and we were invited to participate with their family. We did that, but I don't think that's going to repeat itself either. It might be the furthest distance we've traveled, and I mean that both in sense of miles on the highway and also in the sense of perhaps the difference in theology. We went to a Lutheran church, an evangelical Lutheran church, that really sparked my interest in some of the social issues questions. I would definitely, well, let me put it this way. I'd be disappointed if I never, if I'm never inside that church again. I do not think that we will join there anyway, and there are good reasons for it. But I did enjoy the service, and I, and we know some people who are part of the worship there. There's another Methodist church that wouldn't surprise me if we participated again. I like what they're doing. They are part of the same sort of general area. They're in the same county as the Harmony Springs Church, and they have the same kind of community focus. And I've always regarded their pastor very highly. She's somebody that I've sought counsel and advice from in the past, so I could see doing that. The church that we visited right before Harmony Springs was one of the big ones, one of the ones where truly cathedral is the right word for their sanctuary and for their worship experience. I don't expect to go there again. Uh, it's not that it was a terrible experience. It wasn't. It was. I think we got the experience that they would have expected us to have gotten. Multimedia, shiny, well-implemented, well-executed, well-planned, just not my thing. I would rather have a worship service where it seems like everything that was happening was truly accidental than one where everything that was happening was well and truly scripted. It just wasn't for me. We went to a United Church of Christ, and as a denomination, that really interests me, but the particular congregation we visited did not. So that won't happen again. And we also visited an Episcopal church, where I think the opposite here is true. The congregation, and particularly the leader of the church, really very interesting, very well done. But the denomination doesn't interest me all that much. I think one of the things about being United Methodist for all these years is that Episcopal is, well, it's further away than where I'd want to go. I would prefer to go in either a Methodist direction or a less traditional than Methodist direction. And certainly the Episcopal Church in America is more traditional. It's more high church than Methodism. Community Christian Church is a Disciples of Christ Church, similar denomination, same denomination, to the one that we're visiting at Harmony Springs. And I went to visit them primarily, and this is going to sound odd, but I wanted to get a good look at the hymnal. The church we're visiting has got a roaming quality to them. We don't use a hymnal. We don't use bulletins. 
Um, so I seeing the entire book of hymns kind of meant something to me. Plus, I thought it was going to be interesting to see if we really were sort of liking the experience in a Disciples of Christ church, what would it be like if we were in a more, quote-unquote, traditional version of that church? But really, the church I know we're going to visit again, more than any of the other churches I've mentioned, is New Morning Star Baptist Church. This is a church close to downtown, with what you might describe as a very downtown set of members and visitors. It's, uh, I guess, the word that you would use for it is a, is a black Baptist church, as opposed to a southern Baptist church. And there's a lot of R&B music in the choir, both playing over the stereo and also just when they're singing. The pastor's uh, sermon has very much got a lot of call-and-response elements to it. If if you agree, you should speak up. Uh, there's a lot of tell-it brother and hallelujah going on in the conference. It's a conversational sort of a style. And um, I remember that worship service being more than two hours long and feeling like it was over an hour. And compare that to a lot of worship experiences where I talk to people who don't attend church often who would say exactly the opposite, that the worship service that they visited may have only lasted almost an hour, but felt like it had lasted two or three. This was the opposite. It was more than two and felt like less than one. I just can't imagine not visiting there again. Part of it is that we have friends. We know some people who are part of the church. But part of it is, it's a different form of worship. One of the things I was trying to hammer home to the church that we left was that if you're always doing worship exactly the same way every single Sunday, it is no longer worship. It has simply become stagecraft. You're going through the motions. You're doing the routine. And in fact, I actually made an accusation at one point that there might be some people in the church who were more worried about the consequences of getting it wrong, of going off script, than they were of allowing the Holy Spirit to well and truly move within the congregation and within the worship service and to influence and to play a role. So, yeah, to be able to see a church that you know flies a, a lot more off the seat of their pants from time to time has a great deal of value and interest to me. Plus, I like worshiping with a diverse group of people. One of the things that Harmony Springs offers is diversity within who's in the congregation. And it is probably the most diverse that we have seen, truthfully, because the new Morningstar Baptist has got the opposite end from a diversity perspective, that there's still a lot of homogeneity in the racial makeup of the church. It's just more homogeneously black than white, as opposed to the Church of Christ we visited being the opposite and then some in terms of its balance. I feel like everybody from all walks of life, from all types of experiences, from all races, colors, creeds, sexual orientations, socioeconomic status, age. Everybody has something to offer, both within a congregation and perhaps even within the worship experience itself. And if a church walls itself off from that, it is missing something. But it begs the question of how any one church could possibly fulfill the need of believers worshiping with as many other types of believers as possible. There's no way to really engineer this kind of thing. Even if you brought in sociologists and you planted to the nth degree, you wouldn't be able to provide that necessary sort of variety. And you wouldn't be able to do it in a way that was genuine. And by genuine, among other things, I mean voluntary. So I think visiting more than one congregation from time to time, 
keeping eyes and ears open and being willing to try new things. Yeah, it, for years, I was actively a part of the leadership of a church, sitting in positions related to the administrative council and to the human resources department within the church itself, holding a title called lay leader, which meant that you were often reading scripture or finding people who were willing or interested in reading scripture on a particular Sunday. I would often give closing at the end of worship services, and on multiple occasions gave the message at times when the pastor either wasn't going to be there or where it was planned to have laity deliver the message. But even in that lay leader role, it was kind of an unspoken truth that there was something disloyal about going to visit some other church, unless you were on vacation in a faraway place and visiting that church with relatives. There were, every now and then you'd get talk in a you know, council meeting about how new ideas would be very valuable and somebody should go see what other people are doing. But it never meant me in my role as lay leader, in my role as a lay speaker, in my role as the head of the administrative council. I was expected to be in the church that I attended every single Sunday. And it certainly would have been disloyal to have been willfully looking around. The activity I've done over the last 10 or 11 months would have been completely unacceptable had I done that in the years before. But now I'm looking for a church that isn't going to take that stance. If I choose to continue to look around, for want of a better word, whether that looking around is looking around to find a different church, which seems unlikely to me, or simply looking around to try to engage in worship in as many ways as possible, I would expect the church that I join next to call that a blessing or at least be benignly indifferent to it. And that's really important. Because I think the answer to today's question of whether membership must focus on a single church is false. The fidelity has to be to Jesus, not to any given congregation. And when Jesus talks about the church, when Paul, in his letters, talks about the church, they're talking about something bigger. It's even more obvious in the letters of Peter and John. They're talking about the church universal. So when we refer to being loyal to a church, and talking about that as if a street address is in any way meaningful, is in many ways a misreading of Scripture, a somewhat dangerous misreading of Scripture. But I do know that if I went back to any of the churches that we visited early on in this process, especially if I went back and was recognized, I would find myself eventually, if not quickly, in a conversation about whether I was planning to join. And the reality is, Part of me is not planning to join anywhere, and I think I'm going to end up joining somewhere. And the advantage to that is I can answer the question of whether I'm going to join is no, I've got a church. I've got a church that I'm willing to become a quote-unquote member of. I'm willing to make my participation less informal and more official, more formal. But in no way is that going to stop me from worshiping with others, from being one of the two or three gathered in Jesus' name anywhere others would like to gather with me. Even as you were led, please join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, you've been so clear, and I have been so misguided in not recognizing much earlier, years and years ago, what you meant by the church. Forgive me for focusing so much on looking for one new place, as if I've narrowed what your will for me might be and 
perhaps missed things that you wanted me to see along the way. I believe I am being led to find a way to equip myself through the congregation that we've been visiting lately. And Lord, I know that my wife is more committed to this idea even than I am. But help me to remember and help me to to be willful about trying to find ways to keep my heart as open as possible to other ways of worshiping, other forms of outreach, other particular forms of service that can be provided by interacting with a much broader group. Jesus, you led me happily, and I'm so grateful that I had opportunities to work with multiple church groups, with parachurch organizations. But even then, Jesus, I know it was it was just another set of singular loyalty that I was part of this church and also part of that group. Help me to break down the meaning, Lord, of these potentially sinful human alignments and human loyalties. And remember that when you and your apostles spoke of church, you were speaking of a much broader kingdom, something much more universal, and that to be part of it was to be part of something bigger than, frankly, I've ever been a part of before. So, Lord, use me in the way that you intend. Include the greater variety whatever you may have in mind, in terms of interaction and participation. For maybe the first time in my life, I get it, and I'm ready to go where I need to go and serve how I need to serve. And if it be your will that that be a service that is based from one congregation but involves participation in many others, then so be it. If it also be your will that it not be a formal participation with any group. I'm listening, Lord. And now's the time when I really feel that I need to know. Amen. What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine, I... All shapes and sizes, Vincent. You shouldn't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. Next on Walk the Earth, whether equipping virtually can effectively lead to an actual outreach. Thanks for listening.